actually, I'd like to know how many of you guys are interested. Can you raise your hand if you're interested in heading to the mission field? Come on, confidence. <laughs> I gotta be able to see. Okay, sounds good. I just wanted to know a little bit more of my audience, but um, yes. Uh, Nathan tends, like Danny said, tends to share the theological, studious side of life, and I tend to share the emotional, personal, testimonial side of life, so you're going to get that this morning. Um, uh, how many, were any of you not here on Tuesday? A few, okay, so a few of you. So, if I could get a PowerPoint, it's coming. Okay, so Nathan and I work in Bolivia, just short blip of where we're at currently. Um, this is our campus um, in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Danny, we actually have to correct you. You said the population of Santa Cruz Department, which is like Montana State, 3.3 million. The city of Santa Cruz is actually 1.6 million, but still, I mean, come on. Exactly, no problem. We're like, huh, I wonder where that number came from. But um, Nathan and I work at Etnos. We are training South Americans, mostly Bolivians, um, so it's all in Spanish, to be cross-cultural workers just like us, um, with a main emphasis being on church planting. So Nathan's main job is in the classroom teaching, and he's also on leadership of our training center. And my main job is in the classroom teaching our three girls, um, also running our home, and I do discipleship on a formal level, either with female students or um, couples with beside Nathan. So, um, well, I just want to be completely honest with you guys that I have crashed and I have burned hard in this journey. Um, I am not a success story in that I have not done it well, but I am a success story in that God continues to work in me and we're still on the mission field. So that is a huge praise. Um, as a young girl, I had all of my childhood dreams of what I wanted to do. Missions was not in them. Um, but I did, my senior year of high school, feel that God was calling me to women's ministry. And so I actually ended up at MSU because of scholarships my freshman year. Took a Bible college class in the evening that first semester. Took two classes the following spring. And then I transferred to Montana Bible College full time because I started dating this guy. <laughs> so that's us when we were first dating. Um, we were then, yeah, I was at the Bible College full time that fall. We got married in December. So um, Nathan graduated that following spring. And we knew that our goal was to be missionaries in Bolivia, specifically because Nathan had graduated from high school down there. Just his senior year was spent down there. So I knew that that's where we were headed. Um, with those plans in mind, I actually chose not to graduate from Montana Bible College. Very specifically, we decided instead that I would take all of the biblical counseling courses and all of the courses that would apply to women's ministry specifically because we knew that we were going to be moving on after he graduated. You guys saw that picture on Tuesday. Um, oh, backspace, I'm a little ahead of myself here. Um, we knew that I wanted to get as educated as I could, but we didn't want to take the time. We were in a rush, fires under our tail, um, to get to the mission field. So we did that. At that spring, as we were working with the elders here at Grace, they asked us to go to Bolivia for three to six months as volunteers because I had never experienced 
life overseas except as a tourist. And so we did that. So we went and we spent the summer of 2006, which also happened to be the second trimester of my first pregnancy in Bolivia. And within two weeks of coming back from Bolivia, we had moved to Missouri to New Tribes Missions Missionary Training Center, where we received our specialized training in overseas work. Anne, our oldest, was born within that first semester. Addison was born two years later during our final semester. We returned to Montana to raise our support, and we thought we were headed to Bolivia faster. God had other plans, and he brought us another baby. <laughs> and Lydia was born in 2010. In February 2011, we jumped on a plane with a four-year-old, two-year-old, nine-month-old, and headed to Bolivia. We also had the luxury of my in-laws joining us to help get us down there. So they're in that picture, too. I wish I could say that all of our training had prepared me. We went through NBC, we went through the training center, and our training center is actually two and a half years worth of training, more mission training than your average. And yet nothing could have prepared me, just as nothing can prepare you guys for what you're gonna face. Um, we moved to Cochabamba, a city of 900,000 people in the Andes at 9,000 feet above sea level. For the first three months, we were in an immersion program and had as little contact as possible with English speakers. The only people that we had contact with that did speak English were on this far right side, the three on the far right side. Carol was our pastor's wife. She was Bolivian, but she spoke fluent English. Diana and Dwight were the missionaries that oversaw us in the language program, but they very specifically chose not to interact with us. So I went to Bolivia with no Spanish. Where did that leave me? Left me very, very lonely. <laughs> As I walked into this church every Sunday and sat there, couldn't communicate with anybody, couldn't understand the sermon, I found myself doodling, daydreaming. What do you do when you can't understand anything? I wish I could give you guys that experience because it is so isolating. It is incredibly lonely. Essentially, over time, <laughs> I did learn the language. Um, it's a slow process. Honestly, without the language, you can't truly learn the culture. <laughs> so I had no clue how different we really were, Bolivians and me. <laughs> um, as a housewife, I was concerned about the food I was preparing for my family. The water was not potable, so we had to filter it, boil it, or bleach it. Um, I couldn't read the labels in the grocery store. <laughs> the markets were overwhelming. Um, I had to learn to cook at that high altitude. I will tell you there is a major difference between <laughs> Bozeman, Montana and Cochabamba, Bolivia. And I had to learn to use a pressure cooker. You can see it on my stove there. I used it daily for potatoes. I mean, something as easy as potatoes became incredibly difficult for me. And we lost weight because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I did end up learning. I slowly became more proficient in the kitchen and in the market and in the language. Um, between being able, unable to run my home as efficiently as I had here, being unable to communicate, I went from a very strong, confident woman 
to a very insecure and unsure person. And honestly, I'm still working my way out of that insecurity. Um, let's see here. Sorry. Honestly, it is a very humbling and often very humiliating place to be, to go overseas and put yourself in a completely different culture and language. But it's also the best place to be for God to take you and shape you into what he wants you to be. One of the biggest surprises for me was how much of a working mother I'd be. Um, I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. But we headed to the field, and I should have known after all the training, I should have known, but it just didn't set in. We got to the field, and Nathan was required a 40-hour work week, and I was required a 20-hour work week. My 20 hours did not include any of my household duties. That was purely exposure to language, language classes, or culture events. Nothing in my home counted in those 20 hours. I had three little people to take care of. The only time it did count is if I could have my language helper, that's swelling on there, left there, if she was in the kitchen with me, I could count it as hours. Because either she was, I would ask her questions about what I was doing, having her give me vocabulary, or she was part of the event and we could, I could count those as hours. Otherwise, she was, it, was, it was additional on top of. So these three little girlies were obviously growing and needing the majority of my attention, and yet I still had work. Um, our second year of language study was Anne's first year of kindergarten, so I added homeschool to my already busy list. Thankfully, kindergarten's pretty easy, but I still wanted to make a point of doing it with her. I couldn't let it slide, and so um, we added that in. Nathan, I will say this, Nathan did help me out as much as he could. Obviously, though, with his busy work week, he had places to go and people to see and things to do. We did end up actually hiring Swellen, my language helper, to help around the house too. She needed more work hours and I needed the help, so um, she came in once a week to help clean her house. A little over a year and a half into language study, Nathan reached goal, our mission's language and culture goal for Spanish. So we actually traded jobs. He became Mr. Mom and I went to work for 40 hours a week and we hated it. <laughs> Both of us. He couldn't stop thinking about what to make for food for the next meal. <laughs> and I was so tired of being in the office and not with my kids. But it was actually really beneficial to our marriage as well. Um, a lot of grace for each other came from that period of time. So um, formal language study did end up coming to an end for me but not as originally planned because I didn't make level. Um, that's hard for me. I was always an A student, and um, it was one of those things that God just said, no, nope, you're done. You can't go on. I was exhausted, and our ultimate goal was another language. So there was an idea of, okay, I've got enough to be conversational in Spanish. Let's just move on. Let's go on. And so we did. God changed our plans there in November 2013, two and a half years after arriving in Bolivia, um, and after three months of a rocky visit to Montana, um, we sat down with a veteran missionary couple because I was a disaster. And this past, this veteran missionary camp, 
He happened to also be a leader of our field in the past. He wasn't at the time, but he had that experience. He said to us in love, but in his very black and white way, leave. Pack your bags, go home, you're done. I've never seen a missionary in my position survive the field. And he essentially said, you're gonna commit suicide, divorce your husband, lose your kids. Something major is gonna happen. You're done. I was rejoicing. I was like, yes! That night. And then the next morning I woke up and God just, in his faithfulness and his gracious way, stopped me and said, no, Kaylee, you can't do this. If you flee your problems here, they're just gonna follow you back to Montana. And I knew I would walk away with this sense of guilt. I had killed my husband's dream and shame that I didn't complete the work that God had given us. And so much, just pressure. And I was just like, God, I can't do this. And so I stayed. (laughs) I was full of fear of Bolivia, of Bolivians. I was exhausted, physically, absolutely exhausted and I was in a horribly low spiritual valley, the lowest place I've ever been in my life. God had allowed multiple circumstances that I just don't have the time to go into today to just, it was incredible, guys, just one thing after the next lined up to bring me to this place. And I was completely broken. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If we interpret this verse, as we're not going to do here at Montana Bible College, (laughs) but the way that it is often quoted by believers even, this is what my life would look like. A view of the mountains, a house, farmhouse, beautiful farmhouse, full of books, snow, a cool and dry climate, my family and friends within close distance. But when we actually look at this verse the way that it should be, well, I should say, excuse me, I should say this. When we look at this verse the way the world wants to interpret it, it's going to lead us down a wrong path, right? Essentially, the world says, I must be happy. Life is about my happiness. It's about me. God has been gracious to me in giving people that I love dearly, putting them in my life to watch them make this choice to pursue happiness. And I have seen them broken and discontent. I have seen them hurting. And it has not led them where we desire to be led as believers. And I just... I look at that and I am so thankful for him putting those people in my life so that I can say, no, that's not what I want. In 2013, as we were sitting across this this table from this this veteran missionary couple, we were given the option to go. Nathan wouldn't have left, but I was given the option to go. (laughs) Obviously, we were going to do it together, but... I knew in that moment that I couldn't flee. And so we stayed. I now live in house number 27. House number 26 
is on the right, house number 27 in my 14 years of marriage. This is just since marriage, guys. I moved as a kid a lot too, so. House number 27 is on the left. We moved out of house number 26 because of termites. We got a call on Tuesday this week that house number 27 is also now full of termites. <laughs> we live in a city of 1.5 million people, surrounded by Spanish speakers in a hot and oppressively humid climate. Christmas, guys, 100 degrees, sweat pouring down us and it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. <laughs> My view is of a volleyball court and the student dorms out that front window right there. Our windows don't seal, so my house is constantly sandy, which if any of you are homemakers and you take care of your home, we want them clean, right? Um, we only have one air conditioner. Praise God it's in our classroom so the girls and I can study without a wee we were actually praying about getting one for Nathan's office because it is just too hot. But um, one of the joys is that we get to live with cockroaches, rats, mice, spiders, possums, scorpions, and centipedes. And yes, I have seen all of those in my home, including in my daughter's shower. <laughs> the, uh, the scorpions. Mommy! Ah! <laughs> But God continues to pursue me, and he has given me a desire to abide in him and a desire to persevere. Guys, persevere. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Is asking us to faithfully pursue a relationship with him so that he can change the desires of my heart. This is not my desires, and God gives them to me. It's God taking my heart and replacing it with his heart. I could dwell on how opposite of me the Bolivian life is, or how I would prefer to do ministry in English. I could dwell on the robberies, the emergency and non-emergency surgeries, the mosquito-borne illnesses, the gang wars in our neighborhood, the blockades keeping us from town, the accusations of drug making, getting kicked out of our home, and so much more, all of which led me to that dark place I ended up in. But as I pursue him, my discomfort and my sufferings are what he is using to mold me into his image. Gladys Aylward, the missionary to China, said, I have not done what I wanted to do. I have not eaten what I wanted to or worn what I would have chosen. I have not lived in a house that I would have ever looked at twice. I longed for a husband, babies, security, and love. God didn't give that. He left me alone for 17 years with one book, a Chinese Bible. I don't know anything about your latest novels, pictures, theaters. I live in a rather outdated world. And I suppose you say, well, it's awful miserable, isn't it? Friends, I've been one of the happiest women that has ever stepped this earth. I have raised someone else's children whom I've loved with a great love because Jesus Christ loved me and who I'm now receiving love back from. Lord, give us freedom, freedom in thee, that you might be able to pick us up and put us down and use us when and where and how you like, that someone might know how much you love I have not yet fully reached that place. 
but God is continuing to work on me. That spiritual valley did lead us down a different path than we had originally planned. We were headed to a village to be church planners, and God used my brokenness to redirect us to our current mission, to our current ministry. I would love to say that from that moment on, all has improved, but it hasn't. I do love ministry. I love working with people. I found a routine for myself there, and I, but I still struggle with this balance. <laughs> Being a wife, a homeschooling mom, and a coworker, a discipler, someone who's hospitable, and serving in other ministries. One of the biggest obstacles I face is that my team does not understand homeschooling. <laughs> we joke that I sit on the couch and eat bun buns all day. <laughs> because seriously, I think that's what they think. <laughs> um, up to this point, we have been the only young family on our team. Everyone has a plan for my life. But ultimately, God has taught me so much about who he is, who I am, and brought to light so many of my sins through this process. Being a wife and a homeschooling mom in ministry is hard. There is no formula. Thankfully, graciously, God has given me a strong marriage with a strong foundation under it. And so we continue to walk together faithfully, trusting God for our future, be it in Bolivia or not. I know that this, these people, this culture, this language, the climate is all just part of my sanctification package. <laughs> if I could encourage you in anything, guys, abide in him. I know that as Bible college students, you go, oh, <laughs> that's my goal in life. I'm studying the word. I've been a Bible college student. I've also been a missionary. And I know how easy it is to let this fall through your fingers. Guys, don't do it. And I'm not talking about 15 minutes a day. Maybe you only get one hour a week to open the word and study it deeply. But take that one hour. Those 15 minutes a day, yeah, we need, we need the broad picture of scripture, guys. And we will get that through 15 minutes a day to some degree but we need that hour or whatever you can give it of deep, deep study in the word. If we walk away from him, we are not going to be rested. We are not going to be rejuvenated and have the energy we need for our ministry. Jen Wilkin points out that our spiritual life should not be a burden, but it will be difficult. These are spiritual disciplines, our Habits in the word, prayer, deep study, are disciplines. Guys, we have to make ourselves do them. Ladies, if you're married or hope to one day be married, I encourage you, submit to your husbands. As our husbands pursue God, we need to learn to trust them. We need to learn to trust that they are trusting God. Sarah submitted to Abraham. And in 1 Peter 3 here, we see that she was considered a holy woman. Twice Abraham asked her to call him brother. And yet she is honored for submitting to him. Guys, likewise, 
Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. I know that the end of this verse, so that your prayers may not be hindered, has greatly impacted my husband. I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit here with his permission and encouragement. Actually, I didn't have that in here, but there have been times on our path that I have shared where I was at, how weak and how tired and how broken I was. And he heard and went out in one ear out the other, and we went and participated in something that we shouldn't have, and it didn't go well. He is learning to listen and hear me. Guys, are you prepared to care for your wives as you pursue your ministry dreams? I'm running out of time here, guys. Um, as we look at Titus 2, 3 through 5, I just want to encourage you women, you young women who are going to have kids. Train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. My main ministry is still in my home. I have three little girls that need raised. Some of my boundaries include saying no to campus ministry opportunities, saying no to evening activities in our local Bolivian church, and saying no to getting more involved in women's ministry outside of the campus. Oddly enough, I have to fight for those boundaries more with the women on my team than the men. Um, recently, I was also diagnosed with an autoimmune, and so I have even more boundaries. It's not easy, and I don't always get it right, but we do have to learn to say no to good ministry opportunities. Um, while fully enjoying this season, I am excited for my next season. In 10 years, all three of my girls will have graduated, and I will get a new opportunity to be involved in ministry outside of my home. I also want to clarify, too, that obviously we all have different energy levels. My energy might be lower than yours, Yours might be lower than mine. We all have to figure that out on our own. My last warning, I'm going to leave with you with this and then a list of books, is social media. The world wants to tell you that you have to either have it right, everything put together, or that we are here to make a name for ourselves. God will only use a handful of people from our generation to have that platform of writing books and being on a stage like Elizabeth Elliot or John Piper. But the majority of us are going to serve anonymously. And I just want you guys to be careful of this. Social media sucks us in and there's a sense of like followers, ooh, follow me. Hey, I'm a missionary. I struggle with pride in this area. I've actually made my Instagram account private because I know that as soon as I open it up, my pride gets a hold of me and I want to be known. Guys, we need to serve with a servant's heart that does not care what the world is thinking about us, that is serving to serve him. I'll leave this up here as you guys leave. I love to read. They are my counselor. Books are my counselors and my friends in a very lonely world. And um, these are some of them. If I could point out two, Awe by Paul Tripp has been amazing for me, just very super convicting. I'm on my second read-through right now on a slow basis, and it's just fabulous. The other one is Expectations and Burnout was pivotal for me when I was in that deep, deep place, um, and I highly recommend it. Men, it is written by two women, missionary women. It is for any man that is going to be a pastor of a church. 
that is going to send out missionaries. Okay? It talks about the obligations and expectations between the missionaries and their churches as well as other issues. So if you want to support your missionary women well in your churches, read that book. But I also actually, if anybody's interested, have the longer list. I had 17 books that I really wanted to share with you guys, but I, can't, I just don't have the time. So I have six here if anybody wants my recommendations. So thank you.